0: Good morning. My name is Sue Edwards and I'm one of the practitioners here at the center and it's my pleasure to do the opening prayer today. And so just taking a breath knowing that we are in the right place at the right time. I know that there is one all-knowing, all-powerful and ever-present source of all. It's a power for good, a power for love. And I know that's my life now. And as I speak in the I Am, please take these words as your own if you choose. Otherwise, just let them pass on by. And so I now, I stand grounded in the knowing, the truth of me. The truth is that I am the light of the divine. I am filled with love, with peace, with harmony, with joy, with freedom. I do my spiritual work. I stay awake and aware, noticing what triggers me. I bring up those false beliefs, those shadows. And once they're brought into the light, I love them up and know they're just a part of me. I'm whole. I don't need to let them run my life. I can choose to live in the truth of who and what I am. I am possibility. I am potential. And so as I move along my spiritual path, I know that I have absolutely everything that I need. There is a spirit, a God, that is governing my life. It is able to orchestrate the 50 billion cells in my body without me asking it to do so. And so I know it can do anything, and I can do anything. And so I'm just so grateful for this knowing. I'm so grateful to stand in union with this one spirit that is all-powerful, all-knowing, knowing that everything that I need is here, right here and right now. I can live in the present, let the past go away. I'm free from the past. I'm free from the future. Today is the day. This is the moment. And I'm so grateful for that. And so releasing these words into the law, knowing it is the truth, I invite you to say with me, And so it is. And now I'd like to introduce our very own Reverend Tammy Banting to be our speaker today. Good morning
1: again and thank you uh, to Sue for setting this beautiful intention this morning with that amazing opening prayer. Well, it's true. It's December 3rd, and we have officially begun the season that celebrates two major themes, giving and receiving, and the big one, peace on earth. Before we jump headlong into cooking, the shopping, the celebrating with family and friends, and our beloved candlelight service here at the center, which if you have not attended that candlelight service, you're going to want to come this year. It's absolutely beautiful. But this morning I want to talk about how we change our lives and the lives of others through these two themes during the Christmas season and throughout the year. This morning's talk looks at the idea of giving and receiving from a science of mind perspective and addresses the question, can there really be peace on earth? I want to talk about our role in each of these aspects of our lives as taught by Ernest Holmes. New ways we can truly make a difference. Also, I'd like to talk about the role that our intention, which is the real creative engine behind what we are manifesting in our lives and in the lives of everyone on this planet. So what is our intention? Let's begin with peace on Earth. Would you be surprised to hear that in reality there is really peace on Earth? When we think in terms of the sheer population on Earth at this moment, at an estimated 7.4 billion people, and each and every one of those beings having free will, and they get to choose how they show up in the world. When we think of it in those terms, it becomes abundantly clear that the vast majority of human beings practice and live in peace. That is not to say that we don't have work to do, and that something other than peace is showing up, but is it really as prevalent as we are led to believe? Here is some interesting information that I came across in the publication, The Daily Good. In June 2016, America experienced its deadliest terrorist attack since 9-11 and has been dealing with racial tensions after police have repeatedly shot unarmed black men. Globally, terrorist attacks have rocked Europe, the Middle East and Asia, while drug-related violence has killed over 80,000 Americans in the last decade. It's clear that the world is on the brink of disaster, right? Well, that's what the nightly news and the present leader of the US wants us to think, but studies show that right now we are actually living in the most peaceful time in human history so far. Data from the Human Security Report Project and the Peace Research Institute of Oslo shows the startling decrease in worldwide violence that has taken place over the past century. According to Harvard psychology professor Stephen Picker, an author of The Better Angels of Our Nature, this steep decline in worldwide violence has been happening over the past few centuries, and it may be the most significant and and least appreciated development in the history of our species. So why does the world still feel so dangerous? Is it because we live in the most dangerous time in American history? Not really. The U.S. is currently enjoying the lowest homicide rate in over a century. According to Pinker, the media has a lot to do with why the world feels so scary. News is a misleading way to understand the world, he says. It's always about the events that happened and not about the things that don't happen. As long as violent events don't fall to zero, there will always be headlines to click on. So with a little perspective, being alive in 2017 isn't such a bad thing. When we read information like this, it makes perfect sense as to why the world looks like it does at the moment. As students of Ernest Holmes and other wisdom teachers have taught us, what we pay attention to expands. The manifestation in our outer world is a direct reflection of what is going on in our inner world. This is true in our own lives and the lives of humanity as a whole. We live in such dynamic and interesting times. I don't think any of us had had even heard of this term as early as two years ago and now it dominates the airways and has become a part of our vernacular, fake news. I'm always astounded by the way in which the universe provides ways for us to become even more aware of the creative beings that we are. And fake news has been a great teacher in this regard. In the age of the internet and Facebook, what we are worried about, afraid of, angry about, and against has been supercharged by our ability to spread the word easily and with astonishing speed. Feel something, or maybe read something that you didn't even know you felt until you read it. Become angry about it, and by clicking on it, essentially saying yes to it. By doing this, without maybe even realizing it, we perpetuate the idea, giving it life, giving it more exposure, and planting that seed in the universal consciousness. We focus on these ideas and they expand. We have excuse me. <clears throat> we have all witnessed or been a part of the outrage when we read one of the many, many stories on the internet, like the stories of a woman of a certain race who experienced the grocery store clerk who wouldn't cash her check, as implied by the story, because of her ethnicity. And though it is likely that thousands of other women of her ethnicity cashed checks that day with absolute ease and grace, we focus with outrage on the one that wasn't able to. We see these examples time and time again where the worst of humanity gets our attention and when the best of our humanity that is flourishing gets unnoticed and unrecognized. Where we have squandered our spiritual coin of recognition and intention of good for the lower vibration of outrage. We may find ourselves arguing that there is so much to be outraged about. I mean, just look around, there's this going on, and that going on. And who would believe this is happening? And before we know it, our days are filled with opinions, postings, information, and assumptions that leave us feeling anything but peaceful. And then it happens. The universe steps in to give us pause. All of this information that we have spent our time being indignant and sad and disgusted and infuriated about, all of this worry and strife about negative stuff, and it may have literally been fake, may have just been a story. We have heard Reverend Patrick often referring to the ideas we hold are just stories we tell ourselves about our world and the world around us. This is the concept that the idea of fake news has come into our experience to illustrate. In a real-world example that so clearly demonstrates the idea of saying yes to things that really aren't the truth of our lives or the truth of our being, it is the combination of something made up to elicit a negative response and people's perception of what fake news is and what it isn't. It requires us to judge it, to take sides, or to perpetuate the idea. But as students of Ernest Holmes, we know that this is not ours to do. We know that these expressions of thought or deed are neither good or bad. They just are. We know what we do know for sure is this. If you want to expand good in in your life and in the world, focus on good. It's as simple as that. And don't get me wrong, we're not suggesting some Pollyanna idea that these things don't exist in the material world. What we are called to do is focus with great faith that as we turn our attention and our energy to all that is good in the world, that is what will expand. And when we choose to focus on peace, peace will expand. When we choose to see the capital T truth of our being, even in the face of something else showing up, that is when things begin to shift. As with almost every talk I've done here at the Centre, when I'm looking for ways to demonstrate the real-world examples of the subjects I am speaking about, my mind almost immediately takes me to my volunteer experience with Edson Kulu, a nonprofit group started right here in Edmonton. I will also say that many people refer to my relating those experiences as being the part of the talk they enjoyed most. So here I am again, telling you this part of my story as a demonstration of giving and receiving. In going to volunteer in the small village of Indowana, South Africa in 2004, we were faced with many ideas and images that presented themselves that didn't look like we claim is, the truth of our being. As I mentioned before, Indawana is a small village in the Drakensberg region of South Africa, and it was in the early days of HIV AIDS and the Drakensberg region had the ominous distinction of being the birthplace of HIV AIDS in Africa. Poverty was pervasive. There were very few jobs in the village and transportation to towns that offers the chance for employment were scarce. There was a lack of education and a great deal of superstition around how HIV was spread which greatly increased the speed in which the virus was spreading. Perhaps the most heartbreaking was the virus spread from mothers, HIV-infected mothers, to their new babies through childbirth. As we began opening up the conversation with the community about HIV, it was common to hear that people believed that they could cure the skinny disease with mixtures of garlic and other plant concoctions, or a widely held and disturbing idea that sleeping with virgins would cure it. Education around HIV-AIDS became a top priority for Edzim Kulu. This is one of the scenes that was very common in those early days of HIV in Indwana. A circus-like tent that at any other time would have signaled a joyful gathering of people in this region now signaled something much more somber. Because so many people were succumbing to HIV in this small village, the church could not keep up. So instead, this circus tent now served as a place for funerals, as many as seven a week in the early days. The average age of people being buried was between 17 and 14, which meant many children were left as orphans. This is where the volunteer group from Edzam Kulu came in to assist this community with changing the trajectory of what was showing up for them in this moment. There were so many things to do. First, to raise awareness about HIV in South Africa and raise funds to assist this community improving their access to healthcare. There were no hospitals, no clinics or doctors for miles. Once every two weeks, a mobile clinic, a small truck with a canopy, and a nurse would come to the village, and people would stand in line for hours in the hot African sun for a chance to be seen by a nurse. By day's end, the mobile clinic left the village, and many, many people had stood in line for the full day, left without ever seeing the nurse, as the numbers were simply too overwhelming. Then as they grappled with the realities of HIV, they would wait for two more weeks in hopes that at that time they would make it through the line to see a nurse. Add into the equation the heavy rains that pelted this region at time, making the roads impassable for the mobile clinic, and a dire situation became even more dire. Another initiative was to educate the community about HIV AIDS and get community leaders involved in the education part. And two other initiatives that were very successful right from the outset was introducing permaculture, described as an intentional and an earth-friendly approach to gardening and creating community. In Indiwana, it was as simple as creating watering systems for very small gardens with the use of a two-liter pop bottle. It was a way to grow vegetables in an area where there were few gardens so that people in the village had better nutrition through access to fresh vegetables that they were now growing. Better nutrition was a key in the overall health of the village. One of my favorite initiatives, along with the beading project that I had spoke about in an earlier talk, was the orphan feeding program. Each Monday, we would load up the back of a baki, which is a small truck, and go to the homes of families that were looking after the orphans of the community, but they had no way had the resources they needed to feed the extra mouths. This was always an exciting day in the village, as children would patiently wait for us to show up as they were eager to be the ones to accept the package that included a bag of maize, cooking oil, salt, a small amount of sugar, and one bar of soap talk about the spirit of Christmas, to see the joy on their faces every re- week, rivaled any Christmas morning that I have ever been a part of. One of the largest initiatives that Edzim Kulu took on was the building of a clinic right in the community to provide better health care to Indiwana and the surrounding communities. Now, when I say build, I don't mean go to the local Home Depot and pick up the supplies or bring in heavy equipment to do the hard stuff. I mean helping the locals level the land by hand, shovel and pick. There were no bricks to buy, so Ed Kulu purchased a brick-making machine that we could use right in the village to complete the arduous task of making thousands of bricks by hand, using the clay in the soil under our feet, mixed with bags of cement. It was powered by the wheel of a tractor, and each day the women of the village would go into the forest to bring back bundles of small trees on tops of their head to complete the thatch roofs. Grueling work that the people of Indowana did willingly and graciously in the name of a bigger vision for their own lives. These are only a few of the initiatives that Edson Kulu initiated. Believe me, I would love to share them all, as I am sure you would be moved by the seeds this organization and this community planted in consciousness for a greater idea for the lives of the people in this community. So much to do, but I knew that the most important role in transforming my own life and the lives of the people of Indiwana was to be. What was required of me in the realm of consciousness to be in the face of all of this? As written in the book, The Essential Ernest Holmes, Ernest Holmes says, I think we should feel as though we are here on a mission, not a mission to save souls. They are not lost. If they were, you wouldn't know where to find them, but a mission that glorifies the soul, not to find we are here for salvation, but glorification. It was not difficult to maintain the glorification of people of Indwana. It was so clear that even the face of outward manifestation of their lives at this moment, that they were longing for the truth of who they really were, and what was to emerge. Prosperity and health and connection to source, which for the Zulu and Kosa people, was a combination of their indigenous religion and Christianity. This was the being piece for me, that knowing in the face of all of this, the people in this village, in fact, had all they need by continuing to focus on what could be done and not to focus on what could not be done, not to turn my time and attention to the fake news of the day, because anything that does not look like the truth of our being, which is joy and prosperity and health, really is fake news. In turn, at Zimkulu, along with the people of Indowano, who planted their own seeds of possibility, we were able to manifest a full-time clinic, full-time nurses, regular doctor visits, antiretroviral protocols that improve the lives of those people living with AIDS, education to stop the spread of AIDS, community gardens to improve nutrition, employment in the village, etc., 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 This is only part of what manifested in this small community through conscious thought and intention, through giving of themselves and being open to receiving the outcome. Reverend Connie Phelps, and so we've got a picture of her coming up, I hope, yeah, who has spent time in in our community here, Um, she's originally from here, is now in Kenya on a mission to bring the life-changing teachings of Ernest Holmes to the people of Kenya. She is now joyfully serving in the the residence of one of the poorest slums in Nairobi. In this piece written about her project in last month's Science of Mind magazine, in her own words, she says, upon first getting to Nairobi, she thought, and I'm quoting, what the hell have I done? (laughs) As I looked out into the sea of suffering faces, I thought, what do I have that I can possibly offer these people that would make a difference in their lives? Reverend Connie still remembers the words that came to her in that moment. This is a truth teaching, and truth is true for everyone, no matter who you are, where you are, and what color you are. It's as simple as that. Reverend Connie notes that out of a heartfelt desire to share the universal message of love, peace, joy, and prosperity with some of the world's most vulnerable people, the Kenya Center for Spiritual Living was born. And as she puts it, clearly there is something divine that wants to express here. And she sees herself as a channel through which this vision can continue to unfold. Kenya is a developing nation, and although life there is gradually improving, shadows of poverty, violence, and otherness still color people's daily lives. Teaching prosperity and peace presents a special challenge in the developing world because people are suffering and their experiences affect how they think their belief in lack and limitations are deeply ingrained. In the Science of Mind philosophy, we believe that with faith, our needs are effortlessly met. But for people who are living in extreme poverty, this is a challenging concept to master. People are conditioned to believe they must struggle for everything. Reverend Connie believes that for people to live prosperous and peaceful lives, they must learn to think differently. The conditions people experience are a reflection of their inner state of being. There are many stories of lives that have been transformed by Reverend Connie's service, but one in particular is dear to her heart. Shortly after she arrived in Kenya, a young comf- couple, Jeffrey and Wilsker, enrolled in one of her classes. The prosperity consciousness that has since emerged in them has dramatically shifted not only their lives, but the lives of the hundreds of children they serve. Before, both were teachers in a remote village in Makuri Kwa Nerjam Slum. They had recently opened a primary school that served children's ages 2 to 12. At the time, the school had a dirt floor and no running water, and the children often came to school dressed in rags because that is all that they had, or failed to come to school at all because they were too weak for malnutrition. The school has now been renamed the Brighton School of Science of Mind, and is sponsored by the Kenya Centre for Spiritual Living. The sponsorship has allowed the school to expand from one classroom to eight. It now has cement floors and running water, too. The children who now number more than 250 receive uniforms, clean water, and nutritious meals. And as Reverend Connie puts it, they practice daily affirmations and take science of mind classes to feed their souls. These children want what every other kid wants, Reverend Connie has said. They want to be doctors and nurses and pilots. They want to lead lives that are happy, free and fulfilled. Through these teachings, we give them just that. In 2018, in line with the Q process, we have now embarked on, I would love to lead a spirit group here at the center that would help to transform lives in Kenya. If you are interested in that, let's talk. So in this season of giving, receiving and peace on earth, what are we to know? I came across this on the world wide web and thought it was a great illustration of thought in the giving department. One of life's most basic laws is every single act of love, kindness, and generosity will multiply and return to you many times over. The more you give, the happier you will feel. Many of thousands of years ago, a great sage in Babylon said the reward of charity depends entirely upon the extent of the kindness in it. It is one of life's wonderful paradoxes that you limit the power of your giving by having an expectation of getting something in return. And when you give without any thought or desire for something back, your returns will be truly limitless. Your life is like a river of energy continually flowing. And what happens when a river stops moving? It gets very muddy and stagnant. A fast-flowing river is full of life and clear water. Where would you rather drink? The acts of giving and receiving are a continuous process of circulation that continues the flow of your life's energies. For one person to receive, someone else has to give. It's a cycle of energy that flows continually onward. As proof of this idea, at some point today, take a deep breath and hold it for as long as you possibly can. As you hold it inside, notice how uncomfortable you begin to feel when you are holding on to something that is meant to be released. The act of true giving is something wonderful and amazing. With most things in the world, there is only a limited amount of what you can give away. But fortunately, generosity and kindness are not bound to these material limitations. In the receiving department, Sarah Van Brethnick says this, each day offers the gift of being a special occasion if we can simply learn that as well as giving, it is blessed to receive with grace and a grateful heart. There's simply no way to measure that which myself, Edzimkulu, Zemkulu, Reverend Connie, or anyone who is blessed enough to be involved in these initiatives receives when they are part of holding the consciousness of a greater idea in the face of something that looks less than that. When, in the face of poverty and ill health, the seeds and consciousness that the people of Indowana and the slums of Nairobi continue to plant are of health, prosperity, joy, and hope, and well-being, and in turn they manifest in an idea through which it all can be realized. Because as Reverend Connie so eloquently stated, This is a truth teaching, and truth is truth for everyone, no matter who you are, where you are, and what color you are. It's as simple as that. And finally, peace on earth, and where do we begin today? This little sweet pea's name is Minwalhe, which means gift of God. How do we create peace on earth for her and for every being on this planet? Isn't she adorable? We begin by being very conscious of where and how we spend our spiritual coin, which we know is our attention and intention. That is our spiritual coin. We lend our voice to what we are for and for what we want the universe to say yes to with our clicks and our tweets and our thoughts. We move away from thoughts of what we are against, knowing that our attention to them and through that action gives them more power and more energy. We let those ideas die on the vine. We remember the concept of fake news that the universe made manifest to invite us to remember the creative beings that we are and to be stewards of our thoughts. It is all energy, we are all just energy. Your energy matters. Your energy adds to the sense of peace in the world if that is what you choose. In this season of the Christ consciousness, choose joy, prosperity, health, love, and connection. Enjoy giving. Enjoy receiving. And peace on earth to all. And so it is.